Welcome, everybody. Oh, before I forget, no class next week. Uh, you know, before, before I start with tonight's lesson, tonight we have a very powerful lesson. It's going to be, if you haven't taken Kabbalah 1 before, it'll, it'll be a pretty novel uh, bit of wisdom that for many people, when they hear it, they say it's life-changing. So, but before I share the lesson, I just thought maybe I'd share a little story with you. Uh, I was just thinking about it on the way down here. I, I started to... Now, I'm getting so many messages from all around the world from people who are, who are learning this wisdom for the first time. And it's totally... And they've been part of different spiritualities. Like, there's this whole, whole group of people just even in, in India that have just stumbled upon this wisdom. And a lot of them are reaching out and saying, you know, we've been Buddhist, we're Hindu, we've had spirituality as part of our life, but Kabbalah One is a whole new level of understanding for us, to understand the Creator, to understand why we're in this world. And I'll, and I'll share with you, I started studying this wisdom when I was 15 years old. I'm 39 now. And so that was 24 years ago. And when I first came to Kabbalah One, it, it totally opened my eyes to what the world is about. And to, to the extent where I thought everything else wasn't important anymore. Even I thought school wasn't important. I mean, I went to school, I graduated, and I went to college, but I even dropped out of college in my last semester at UCLA because all I wanted to do was be here. And I saw that just 10 minutes being with someone, talking this wisdom with people, it changed their life. So who cares about school? School is still important, I'm just saying. <laughs> Don't worry, there's an end to the story. So, but, but, either, but either way, just in case, you know, to hedge my bets, I went back, I graduated. And when I was 19 years old, I decided to be full-time, as a full-time volunteer for the Kabbalah Center. So I joined. Uh, we, we don't get paid for the work that we do. And it was probably the best decision I ever made in my life. Uh, everybody thought I was just batshit crazy, okay? But it all worked out. And I, I traveled the world teaching this wisdom. That's all I did. I was in a different city every night of the week, four out of seven days. Um, I got to meet the most incredible people all around the world. And that is what is the power of the Kabbalah Center, because just like me, there's about, I would say maybe 80 other of my colleagues, teachers all around the world, most amazing human beings. Each of them have their own superpower and their ability to convey this wisdom all around the world. And that is kind of the mission of the Kabbalah Center. The mission of the Kabbalah Center is to bring the wisdom of Kabbalah to all faiths, all religions, all paths, and help bring people united, bring them together. And the Zohar, which I read from last week, and we should read again tonight, the Zohar is very clear. Uh, Arrow, give me a number from 6 to 19. Give me a number. 11? You picked the, you picked the soulmate book. So the Zohar, is it, you want to pick a message for us again? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, no, is it this one? Let me see. Is, it, is this one? This is, there's, there's two volumes for soulmates, three and 11. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that the Zohar shares is that 
starting in, this was 2,000 years ago. It says starting in the year 2000, which was 24 years ago, that the world will accelerate on a level that we have never seen before. And what will happen is that cause and effect will speed up. And it's interesting, because if you think about in the last 20 years, we've had more advancements in technology in the whole world than probably thousands of years prior to that. What does it mean that cause and effect is going to speed up? It means that if I do a negative action today, I may not see the effects of that for years. Satan does that on purpose to confuse us, because if we saw cause and effect right away, what would we do? We'd learn, and we'd change. For example, if I... Um, if I uh, Interesting thing. A friend came to me recently and said, you know, this person said something really negative about you. I said, this person said that? And he said, yeah, this person said something very negative about you. And I said, there's no way. I really trust this. Like, they would, I, there's no way this person would say this. He's like, please don't confront them. I promised them I wouldn't say anything, but this is something negative about you. So I said, you know what? Kabbalah teaches... I don't know the whole story. I'm not going to judge the situation. But I was upset. I said, I'm not going to judge the situation. I'm going to pause. I'm going to let go. And I remember that person came and sat next to me in something. And I was looking at him. And I'm like, I can't believe you would say that. I didn't say anything. I just paused. And he was smiling. He was acting all friendly with me. So I was like, oh, he's two-faced. No, just pause. Let go. And then a day later, the other guy comes to me and says, by the way, I was joking about the whole thing. <laughs> so... I don't know why I'm sharing this story, but, but I, sometimes, sometimes my colleagues have played tricks on each other to try to get the other person reactive and see how they... So that we truly believe that everything is an illusion. In New York, we used to do it all the time. It's like, did you hear? Da, da, da. And, ah! Ah, you, you, you failed the test. You failed the test. So anyways, I'm sharing that because if in the time of cause and effect getting shorter... If I would judge someone for doing something, even if it's true or not, in the time of now and moving forward, a person would all of a sudden, if you judge them, maybe you would, your head would start to hurt. You, would, you could have physical symptoms in your head every time you judge someone. Or every time you had evil eye, your eyes would burn, for example. Or every time you spoke negatively about someone, you, you would get sores in your mouth. That's what's going to happen. As, we, as years go on, as we get closer to the full light being revealed, cause and effect will get faster. And what's the, what's the beauty of if cold sores would break out in your mouth every time you complained? What's the beauty in that? You immediately stop. In fact, it would be all over the news. Right? CNN, Fox, everyone would be like, guys, do not, there will be double-blind placebo studies done on the fact that as soon as somebody speaks negatively, cold sores break out. Like the FDA would start approving spiritual drugs. That's how powerful it will be. And then the whole world will be on the same page. However, we're not there yet to give us the free will to transform. Because if we're forced to change, we still have a feeling of what's called shame, which we're going to learn about tonight. If someone takes away your free will to do something, you will eventually resent them. And that's the, that's the beginning of the spiritual lesson for tonight. So let's see what Arrow picked for us. All right, beautiful. Beautiful section. 
right. I'll read, just for the connection for all of us, I'll read from the ancient Zohar, just to draw down this holy energy, and then we'll start with the lesson for tonight. Rabbi Chiyav and Rabbi Yossi, Havoy Azlei Ba'archa, Ad Havoy Azlei Amar Rabbi Yossi, Niftach Bidunin Vineyema Milei, Doraita, Patach Rabbi Yossi Bimilei, Dekirat Shema Ve'amar, Ketiv Shema Yisrael Hashem, Lokeinu Hashem Echad. So he says here, the Zohar is all coded, and it says here these great Kabbalists were walking, and they were traveling along the road. And every time in any spiritual books you hear about people walking, it means they're doing spiritual work. Every time there's walking, it means that there's spiritual work being done. So if there's a journey, if they're going from one city to another, it means they're going from one consciousness to another. In the Bible, it'll say, for example, Abraham left this city and he went to that city. The cities are codes for levels of consciousness. If you read it literally, it makes no sense. But the Zohar actually explains that when, we're, when the Kabbalists are moving, they're moving in consciousness. That's what it means. So it says, Rabbi Chia, Rabbi Yossi were traveling on the road, which means they were elevating in consciousness. And then they started to speak war, spiritual words. So what does it mean? It means that as we go through our journey and we pass our tests and we break our fears, what's the reward? We think the reward is something in this physical world. The reward is always getting what's called chokhmah binadat, wisdom. You get wisdom from the upper worlds, which shows you through the eyes of the Creator. This is the greatest reward you can ask for in anything that you do. Asking for money, asking for respect, asking for love, asking for relationship is the most limited thing you could ask for. If you have wisdom, the wisdom will help you get everything. You should always be asking for wisdom. And he says here, there is a prayer. There is a prayer that the Israelites would say thousands of years ago. So from the time of Abraham, there was this prayer. And even before then, it says that this prayer existed. It's a very famous prayer uh, that the, also that the, Jews talk, that the Jews talk about. And in the time of Jesus Christ, he would say this prayer. It's called the Shema Israel. That's what it's called. Literally what it means is you, you, you're basically saying that the Creator is one. It's a prayer where it says that the Creator is one. What does that mean? When a person believes that everything comes from the light of the Creator, immediately judgment goes away. When does judgment, when does chaos stay? When you think it's people doing things to you. And it's not coming from the Creator. It's not, it's not all one. You have to believe that everything is from the Creator. Not just the good, not just the It's all coming from the Creator. And the minute you believe and trust that everything comes from the Creator, that, then all the darkness will go away. Thank you for picking this section. Very beautiful section. All right. Any questions so far about anything we learned last week or anything we spoke about tonight you would like to ask? Before we head into the new topic, how was your week? How, anybody, anybody had any miracle stories from the message you received? Yeah? 
Is that a hand up? Is that a, are you, are you just? Okay. <laughs> Exercising that wrist. All right. Anybody have any good stories? I heard an amazing story from someone, but he's not here tonight, so I don't want to share it without his permission. But what do you, did you, did you hear anything, Sarah? You had something? <laughs> you don't want to share again? Okay. Okay, no problem. Who's got a. <laughs> you, you know how much, about, how much of your tikkun I just downloaded right there? How's she oh, like? That's okay. Okay, go um, for it, go for it. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Um, <laughs> so, you know how, um, this isn't about the note that we received, but yeah. this is something that we've touched on in Kabbalah. Yeah. So there was something that I really, that I really wanted to happen, and... I wanted it so bad. I wanted it so bad. And I was like, I, like, with all my might, I wanted it. And then I got the news that it was going to happen. And there, I panicked. Like, I went to, oh, my God, I don't, I don't know if I want this. What's going on? Like, and I know we've touched on this. And I wanted to know if you could explain that a little bit more. Mm. I know we've talked about it in class. Wow. It's, it, it, there's something obviously very powerful there. What do you think is powerful about what you just said? Um, I, I think there, it could, it's a lot of things. Like maybe there's a part of me that believes that I don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a part of me, I think it's fear-based. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what's going to happen? What if this goes wrong? What if this goes right? But it's more so for myself because I, I somewhat am in touch with myself. It's more so what if it goes right? And that scares me. There's fear aligned with that thought more than what if it goes wrong. Okay, so what, what does happen if it goes right? Could be the the best thing that ever happened to me. And what's what's the problem with that? What will happen if the best thing got me there? I I don't know. Well, no, let's go, let's walk through it because you know what? How many people here can relate to something like this? Yeah, a lot of even people who aren't raising their hands don't know that they relate to this, and they will figure it out when they go through it because we all go through it. We all get scared at the altar. It's the moment we've been waiting for, and then everyone starts freaking out. So, why do you think that is? Let's walk through it. You just got the greatest gift that you've been waiting for your whole life. Yeah. What happens then? Um, What's the fear? Oh, I don't... I, I, the fear that... I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. Let's go for a couple options. Okay. And see what we can relate to. Number one fear will be, you know, when you have nothing to lose, it's much easier than when you have everything to lose. Right? Who has, more, who has more fear, wealthy people or poor people? Wealthy, wealthy people have more fear. They're always worried some, they're going to lose something. They're always worried someone's going to take something from them. They're always worried they're a target. Look at celebrities, the way they walk around like they're in a prison. They can't go wherever they want. They can't do whatever they want. They can't say whatever they want. We have freedom. Celebrities have no freedom. So that's one. That could be one possible reason. What could be another reason? You're scared about receiving what you've always wanted. Well, that's it. About losing it. No, it's, I'm scared to receive everything I've always wanted. The second one is because we believe that then we won't have desire to... Remember, we enjoy the journey so much, we're afraid that when we get there, we won't have any more life. We won't have desire. We won't have passion. And what's worse than that? That's, that's death. 
That's why there's certain people who just love the chase of the relationship. They don't love the relationship. They, they create drama and they sabotage it so that they're always on the way to the relationship. They always want to get you to like them, but they're afraid that you will actually like them. It's much more fun. It's, it's, it's the chase. It's the hunt. A lot of men are like this as well. A lot of women are like this, but in a more hidden way. Yes. It's a very interesting thing. Hello? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was just going to say that I can relate to that, but for reasons of, like, the pressure and the, the pressure of maintaining something. The pressure of maintaining something is a very real stress. That's it's a very real stressor. Yeah. How many people have, a pres- have currently a pressure of maintaining something? Raise your hand. It's crazy, right? Think about if you don't have any responsibility, you don't, have, you don't have a relationship, you don't have kids, maybe you don't have a business, you don't have, you just kind of float. It's, it's, it's kind of nice. And then you work to accumulate and then there's all these fears. And I would, I would say that a lot of reasons, a lot of the time, the reason why we haven't manifested something that we want is because we know subconsciously we will have more pain about losing it when we get there. Sub, 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 subconsciously. The way to resolve that is Kabbalah. When we learn Kabbalah, we will have certainty in the Creator. So the idea is, when you get there, you're going to deal with the pain and transform that because you're going to look forward to the tikkun that's going to come up then. So you're aware that you're going to be in pain. You're aware that you're going to have stress and you're looking forward to it. You love, you love seeing more tikkun come up. You look forward to it. Yes. Yeah. That was what I was going to say. <laughs> um, what were you going to say? About that when you get everything that you want or that you think you wanted, I think subconsciously you know that the level to which that manifests is also the degree to which your tacoon is going to flare up. So if you play it small, then the tacoon is also kind of playing it small. But whereas if you're doing things on a big level... Correct. Then like the, the dark, like whatever you want, the tacoon, the darkness, the shadow is also like at that. Correct. It's heightened, and I think that's terrifying because then the stuff that you're most scared of about yourself also comes out to play. Correct. And Correct. that's really not fun. It's not fun. It's not fun. <laughs> Unless we can change our belief system about that's the game. Let's play that game. And I'll tell you one last thing before we get into the new lesson. If Jeff Bezos, if we took all of Jeff Bezos's money away, and we left him with zero dollars, okay? How quickly do you think it would take him to become a billionaire again? Huh? Why do you feel quickly? Okay, he's done it before, so he probably can do it again, right? But there's a spiritual reason why that's true. He has a mindset, give me more. It was his destiny. Okay, that's true too. 
What? So he's, he, he, he doesn't have the fear of being successful. You know what it is? If you handed him a million dollars, how would he react versus any one of us receiving a million dollars? How would he react? It's probably not even worth him if he sees $10,000 on the floor. It's probably not worth his time to pick it up. If you think about it, today. Like if he saw $10,000 and it took him eight seconds to pick it up, he's actually losing more money. Now, that's interesting, right? A million dollars to him, if, some, if his accountant said, hey, a million dollars just got wired to your account, this would be his reaction. What? Okay. And because for him it's very casual, he's allowed to receive it. Because he's, he's already a million. I, I, I'm not going to even feel an emotion till I cross 500 million. I'm not going to feel an emotion. So it's very easy. Like if I told all of you here, go out and make me $75, you'd be like, okay, easy. I'll go do it. It's easy for you. If I ask the homeless man to make $75, he's going to have trouble with that. It's not in his, it's not easy for him. It's not, it's not casual. You can't just go get $75. When, you're, when you can get to a place that you're so comfortable and casual with receiving, one way is spend a lot of time with very successful people. Not just financially successful, athletically successful, you know, parentally successful. Spend time with people who for them it's not a big deal to be successful. And you will then absorb this energy. You will actually realize, what am I doing? I'm thinking so small. This, I'm getting excited about my $6,000 bonus. I got so excited about it. It's nice. It's appreciative, but the more you get comfortable with everything, then you can receive more. If something is like, makes you so excited, then that's your limit also. That means that's, that's all your vessel is asking for. So you need to appreciate yet, I'm not saying don't appreciate, appreciate yet also kind of don't, uh, don't overreact. Don't overreact. Casual. When you get to that level, then more and more can come in. That's a hack. I just gave you a spiritual hack. All right. New concept today. How did it all begin? That's the question. How did it all begin? These are all very nice lessons. Some woman came up to me last night in class. You know what she said? She said, how do you know all this is true? That's a good question. She's like, how do you know this is all just a bunch of nonsense? It's a good question. I said, well, try it. See if it works. It's the best I can tell you. And if it works, then let's reverse engineer why it worked. Kabbalah explains very much in alignment with what science explains about how the world was created and evolution and that whole story. But what Kabbalah gives us is what happened before the Big Bang. What happened seconds before the revelation of our physical world? The Kabbalists call it the thought of creation. 
The thought of creation deals with the world that's around that's called the endless. That's what it's called. In the endless, there is just the force of the creator, and the creator emanates light. This is the essence of the creator. It just imparts light in the endless. The creator is a force of sharing. Let's do a little exercise. This side of the room, if you could stand up for a moment. I did this yesterday. It was a lot of fun. It's very stupid. Just go with it. You will act as the creator in the endless that is a force of sharing. So demonstrate with your hands the, the imparting of energy towards this side of the room. Just, I know it's stupid. Just, just do it. Just do it. It's nice. You're moving your arms. Just get, get that energy out there. This is the creator that is a force of sharing. Don't, don't stop sharing. Now, when you have a desire to share, everything's cause and effect, the effect of the desire to share will be a desire to receive. So let's, let's, let's do that. Let's do, let's do the sharing. I know it's stupid. Come on. Let's all do it. Let's all play along like children. Let's have fun. See, and can you feel the circuitry? We have a giving force and we have a receiving force. And this was the whole thought of creation. Okay? All right, you guys can sit down. So I wanted to get your blood moving a little bit. So in the endless, we had a creator who wanted to share. That's its essence. The effect of that was to create a vessel that wanted to receive endlessly. And you know what's interesting about this vessel? This vessel encapsulates all the souls of humanity. So this vessel had all the souls as one, receiving all the light on command instantaneously. Whatever desire the vessel had was immediately fulfilled without even time. It was all one. Imagine like you're hungry and you say, I want a steak. Not only would the steak appear, it would already be manifested throughout your body, throughout your own digestive system. You'd feel the energy, you'd feel the pleasure, instantaneous with your desire. There was no space of, I'm hungry, I look for a restaurant, I go to the restaurant, I order the food, the food comes out, I take a bite, I chew the food, it tastes good, I get some pleasure, the digestion then, no. In the endless, sharing and receiving became as one. Beautiful relationship. You had a force that only wanted to share and a force that only wanted to receive. It seems like it's a match literally made in heaven. However, where did the desire to receive come from? Where, where was it born from? It's not a trick question. There's only one, one option. <laughs> it came from the creator. So in the same way that when I'm born from my father, I'm different than my father, but I have the DNA of my father inside of me, the vessel has the DNA of God, of the creator inside of it. And what is the DNA of the creator? A force of sharing. So even though we were created and our birthright and our destiny is to be receivers, so when we come out of the womb, we're crying, we want something. Within seconds of being born, give me something. We want, we desire, because that's how we were created. But there's also a part of us that craves to be the creator as well. And in this scenario, there was no opportunity 
to activate the God gene because everything is perfect. How can you give back to the creator? So the vessel is receiving, 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 and then the vessel is like, wait a second, this is good, but I'm not 100% fulfilled because I want to be like you. I want to be a creator. It's nice being an employee. You get a stable paycheck. You get nice benefits. You have job security. But you have an itch. You want to be the boss. Why do you want to be the boss? You know how much headache it is to be a boss? Someone told me recently, I want to start my own product company. I'm like, you're getting paid $300,000 a year. You got benefits. You have it good. You don't even work full time. And now you want to go start a product company? You want to go raise millions of dollars, not be profitable for years. Even if you do well, you're not going to make any money for like 10 years. And most likely you're still going to fail because 98% of people do. You want to go do that? Yeah, I want to go do that. What's the itch? It's the creator inside of him wants to be expressed. And he, you can give him all the stories in the world while he has it good. The light's like, dude, you have it good. What's the problem? How many of us have been in a relationship on either side where the other person had it so good but still didn't appreciate it and left the relationship? Raise your hand. You all, can, I mean, only three people can relate to what I'm saying. Either you were the giver or the receiver, either one. So it's very interesting what's going on here. It's very interesting. I'm going to tell you a story. I didn't share it last night, but somebody reminded me about it. One of, one of the best, it's one of the, I want to say it's one of the best stories. It's one of the most interesting stories ever. I go to, the, I go to Equinox here in Beverly Hills most often. And so I was uh, about to go inside for a workout, but I was on a Zoom call, so I couldn't really get off of it yet. So I just propped up my phone there on my, on my dashboard. I was on the Zoom call. Right in front of me was a beautiful Aston Martin car, convertible, very nice. And all of a sudden, I hear like this screaming happening outside. So I see that there's this man, good-looking man. I think it was a doctor, probably a surgeon. Look at surgeon energy. He had scrubs on, so I don't know, surgeon. And he was he was walking to his car, and there was this girl, beautiful girl, kind of like walking, screaming after him, "No, no!" So I'm 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 on my Zoom call, I'm like. What's going on here? I'm like, the window goes down a little bit. It's right in front of me. I'm like, taking one, one headphone out. I'm like, what's going on over there? And he's screaming at her, get away from me. I don't want to see you anymore. I don't want this relationship anymore. She's like, no, don't leave me. Don't leave me. And they're fighting. They're fighting right outside the Aston Martin. So he opens the door, and she dives into the car. She's like, no. And she's holding on the steering wheel. He's pulling her. He's like, she's like, get out of my car. She's like, no, don't leave me. I'll do anything. I'll change. And I'm watching this whole thing happening during the Zoom call. And I can hear everything that's going on. It's right in front. And, and eventually, he just pulls her. He pulls her. pulls her. And she falls to the ground. She's like she's rolling on the ground. He gets in the car, boom, turns, opens the top, and he drives away. That's the end of the story. She gets up. She's crying. She's walking away. And I'm like, oh, she, needs, she needs Kabbalah 1, class 8. 
so that's a classic Kabbalah one, class eight moment. What's going on there? What was she doing? What was the problem there? The problem was, again, we don't know the, the details of the relationship, but clearly what was happening was the vessel felt what the Kabbalists call the bread of shame. Bread of shame means when you receive something that you haven't earned yourself, you feel shame. When you're receiving doesn't allow you to be a creator, you feel shame. When an 18-year-old man receives an inheritance or his father bequeaths a huge empire to him for free or gives him an unlimited credit card, what usually happens to children like that? Do they thrive? Are they, are they appreciative and they know what to do with all that energy? They become spoiled. They become suicidal. They go to drugs because they have the bread of shame. Whenever you give too much energy to a vessel that cannot receive it, you give them bread of shame. What happens when you give someone bread of shame? They begin to resent you because it conjures up the cellular memory of what it felt in the endless when the creator smothered it with every gift known to man. So the vessel said to the creator, listen, I love it but I feel suffocated. I can't act like you. There's no darkness to transform to light the way you did it. There's no other vessels to give because I'm the only vessel. I don't want this. And it pushed the light back, and that created the physical Big Bang that we see and the shattering of the vessel. And all the souls of humanity shattered and we all took on bodies that look different, and we feel very separate from each other. And our spiritual work now is between each other. And to overcome our negativity and become one again earns the light without the bread of shame. That's the story. That's the whole story of creation. So now we have a new reality. Our current reality still has the light, Nothing changed about the light. That's what's interesting. This side of the room was still giving. When the vessel said no to the light, all that did is it shattered the vessel and created our physical world. It didn't change the creator. It didn't change the light. If I pull a curtain down on a sunny day, does the sun take it personally and go shine in Japan? The sun goes, hey, you don't like me. You don't, you don't need my sunlight? You pulled the curtain down. You're all wearing sunglasses. You don't like that I'm here? I can go somewhere else. That's fine. No, the sun keeps on shining. Another spiritual law. When you don't get your way, when your product's not selling, when you're not getting the respect you deserve, when you keep trying and you're failing, do you keep shining? Or do you take it personally and go to Japan? <laughs> right? That's the question. And the people who keep going are the people who succeed. That's another spiritual law. So what if the vessel doesn't like you? You know what my teacher taught me about having a successful business? This is how you know you're going to have a successful business. You create a product. You begin to sell the product. 
and your first customer says, this product is crap. I would never buy it from you. This is horrible. Buy. Throws the product out. My teacher said, that's how you know you're going to be successful. As long as you get excited about that, that customer. You know, first product, I sell, I sell products in, on Amazon. Ten years ago, when we first launched our first product, you know what the first review was? It was a one-star review. Can you imagine? You have a product that has one review, and it's one star. <laughs> like, that was the beginning of the end of the whole company. Who's buying a product with one star? And I looked at that one star, and the review was, this stuff is crap. I don't know, something horrible. Like, she wrote, like, horrible things. Like, she didn't even try it. It, like, broke on the way to her. She's like, this is crap. The whole thing is crap. Don't buy it again. I'm looking at it, and I remember what my teacher told me. Now I know it's going to be successful. Because I'm going to get excited about that one star. Ooh, I love you, one star. It's amazing. Imagine if, imagine, imagine if at that moment we set up, it's over. And then you get another, like you get a two star. And, you get, and, you, and I remember looking at it. And then after I got excited about the one star, you know, a thought came to me, you know what, just reach out to this customer and you know, try to make it right. Whatever, like something happened, we fix it, change it to a five star. But the point is, whenever you get the rejection, that is a sign that you're going to be successful. In the initial rejection. All rejection means is you're about to be successful. In fact, rejection is the vessel. It actually prepares your vessel not to have bread of shame. That's what's so powerful about rejection. Everybody wants their, their company to go up and to the right. Just, oh, it's all good. Just keeps going good. It's amazing. No, it needs to dip to test our consciousness, to activate our God gene for the next level. Before any major revelation in your life, you will have darkness. No doubt about it. Before you get married, before you have children, before you have prosperity, before you have wisdom, before any major breakthrough, you will have the concealment. Why? Because the vessel said, Creator, I cannot just keep receiving. I need to play a game of hide-and-seek. You need to hide the light so I find it. And that is why this is always the way it is. Our current reality has a shattered vessel. The souls are separated. There is a curtain that is blocking the light. This curtain is essentially our tikkun. In order to experience the light again, we have to peel away at the curtain, which is our negativity, our fears, our insecurities, our limited belief systems, our whole tikkun process. Questions about this? Are you inspired or confused? I, I do not know. You, uh, you might be getting to it, but um, you mentioned how this explains like evolution and all that stuff because obviously man didn't come first and there was a many hundreds, millions plus years of um, different creatures Correct. evolving. And so I'm just curious how that ties in. So actually the Bible talks about like the seven days of creation and 
remember, the days in the Bible aren't actual days, like 24-hour days. And we know this because the sun and the moon and the stars, you know, we calculate a day according to the relationship of the sun. The sun was created on the fourth day. So the first three days in the Bible, what does that mean? It wasn't really a day. So what the Kabbalists explain is that the tikkun process really only started when man was created with the opposable Right? The opposable, you say opposable thumb. Yeah, that's right. And there's all secrets about the thumb and the, and the five fingers. And the ten fingers represent ten dimensions of light and the revelation of the soul and how the thumb represents like the free will because if you don't have a thumb, you can't choose. It's interesting. The thumb is, the, is, is how you make a choice. It's how you grab at something. It's how you operate in the physical world. A lot of secrets around the first man with the opposable thumb represents the tikkun process. But before that, the first... Six days of creation represent billions of years of all of these things happening in beginning the, the evolution of what would be the tikkun process. And it's much more complicated and deeper than that, but I felt that's kind of where you were going. So I, I always try to relate what the Bible is sharing, but energetically how it lines up with science. And Kabbalah and science are completely lined up. The only difference is science is still catching up to Kabbalah. That's the only difference. Thank you. Yes, wait. There you go. All right. So you've obviously peeled back your curtain for many years. You know, uh, you like asking me personally. Yeah, questions, I do. Because yeah. yeah, it, it helps me understand like what to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I want to know if obviously new curtains pop up for you, but like. You personally, what's your end goal, like, before you leave this earth? Like, what's your end goal? <laughs> I have to know. <laughs> Gosh. What's my end goal? Well, I'll tell you, in the 24 years of being on this path, it's always a revelation of a curtain, fighting it, failing it, a lot of failing, messing up. The only secret is you just don't give up. So my teachers always told me, you're going to fail, just don't give up. And then eventually there's a breakthrough. And then you, you receive the wisdom, you receive a revelation of light, which is both in consciousness and in the physical world. And I've noticed this pattern just over and over and over again. And what's interesting is just a new test emerges each time. And, uh, and that keeps going. For me, I would say a goal would be, it, my goal is not, let's say, bring Kabbalah to the world. All of those things are illusions. If the Creator wants to bring Kabbalah to the world, the Creator will. What I get inspired by is when I read these books about what the sages could do, and they were literally like angels on earth. They, they, they had the ability, when you read stories about like Abraham or Moses or Jesus, they performed miracles everywhere they went because they, were, they transformed their entire body consciousness to be of the light of the Creator. So, for, and a good example of that, it says that Joseph from the Bible, you know the play Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, same character? Joseph from the Bible, it says that wherever he went, even at the age of 19, other people saw miracles. So imagine you have this gift where you just walk into someone's house and they, all of a sudden everybody becomes wealthy. You enter a friendship, and all of a sudden, their life immediately becomes miraculous. 
Imagine you have this gift. Just wherever you go, your energy is of such where people heal, they become inspired, even if you don't open your mouth, they become successful, they become wise just by your presence. That, for me, is more powerful than being wealthy, than being smart, than being anything. Just to have the creator coursing through your veins and you can transform darkness to light wherever you go, that, for me, I think is the ultimate goal. That's, that's much more fun than being, you know, the governor of a state or the president of a country or even being a billionaire. I mean, what's going what, to happen? Okay, now you're a billionaire. What are you going to do with that? It's going to feel empty. It's going to feel empty. And the reason why billionaires feel empty, you know how we know billionaires feel empty? Because they're like, all right, what do we do now? Uh, uh, let's go to Mars. What's the next thing to do? And after Mars, what are you going to do? Uh, let's go to Uranus. You know where they need to go? It's, in the, it's right here. The soul encompasses the whole universe. Go right in there. Become like God. You know what? They're, they're looking for God out there. Like, once we get to Mars, we're going to find a little more God. People go into outer space, $20 million to go into outer space for like a couple minutes just to taste God for a moment. Right here. Come, it's right here. Where are you going? Why are you spending all that money? It's right here. No, it's got, no, I got it. it's got to be out there. At the end, they're going to realize it was right here the whole time. So why is this important? Breda shame is a state of the vessel when it hasn't earned its fulfillment. Let's make this practical. Let's first understand relationships in our lives. How many of us are the cause of someone else's bread of shame. Let's start there. Okay. What are some good examples? What's an example in your life where you feel you're the cause of someone's bread of shame? Um, I had an employee that I kept on just giving, giving, giving. Mm -hmm. I was a good boss to her. And about two weeks ago, she just quit. She just sent me a, she didn't even send me a text or a call. She sent me an email from her personal email and said, hey, I quit. Uh, send me my money you owe me, three days I think it was, uh, and I'm done. Why did she quit? I don't know. <laughs> but I did give her a lot of better shame. Everything she would, every time she would ask something, I would give it to her. You would? Uh, yeah, if she was like, hey, I need these days. Go ahead. If I need these days off, you gave it to her. It I to need her. a raise, you gave it I'll to give her. I'll give it to her. I want to do something extra to make side money. Go ahead. Do it. Okay. You know? Okay. Let's start with that. Let's say my employee has a vessel, a $60,000 vessel, energetically, okay? Let's say she comes to me and says, David, I deserve 120000 What do you do here? What do you do here? And let's say she's your star employee, but you know that she's not worth more than 60000 What do you do? Because if you give her what she wants, what are you giving her? You're going to destroy her. You're giving her bread of shame. Someone who is overpaid, very dangerous. Better to be underpaid than overpaid. So here's, here's where good managerial skills come in, because a good manager has learned these spiritual concepts. 
Number one, the reason why she's asking for 120, I'll tell you number one reason why she's asking for 120. You, let's say she's been with you for two years. You have not every month sat her down and told her, Julie, I'm going to tell you everything you did right and everything you did wrong. You didn't explain to her what her goals are. You didn't explain to her what her KPIs are. You didn't explain. Make it clear to her. Like, Julie, you're making 60000 right now. How much do you want to make? She's like, I want to make one twenty. No problem. I always remind my employees that people can do their job just as well for a quarter of the price in the Philippines. What are you going to do about that? Oh, one second. It awakens a sense of loss of entitlement. It's very important that you help your employees not have entitlement. But it's our job. It's not the employee's job to figure it out. Everyone's going to want to grab and take whatever they can. If there's cash on the floor, people are going to take it. They're not going to restrict. So you have to explain. You want to make 120? This is what you have to do to earn 120. No, I want it right now. There's the door. I'm not afraid. Everyone is replaceable in one moment. I'm replaceable in one moment. You have to have that strength. If your children are doing something wrong, you say, if you guys don't stop, I'm turning the car around right now, and they don't stop, and you keep driving, you're, 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 you're giving bread of shame. You've got to turn the car around. The best way to prevent bread of shame is to learn how to inspirationally set boundaries. Set boundaries with inspiration. Not set boundaries because you're a dictator or you're in a bless you or you're in a bad mood or you're trying to be a controlling boss. But we always have to feel what does the vessel need to grow? We need to help people grow their vessel because that's how they have the capacity to receive more. When we just give people what they want, we shrink their vessel. If everybody gets a trophy for coming in seventh place, where is the work to grow and expand and be better? This is part of, at least in the job world, if you really care about your employees, you will look at each one of them, you will find out what's important to each one of them, you will ask them proactively, where do you want to be in two years, in three years, what title is important to you? And you hear what they want, and you say, can I create a three-year plan for you? And they say yes. So in the first year, when they don't hit what you agreed on, and they're asking for more money, you go, I, I, you, it, it says right here, I don't understand. It's like, yeah, but I got a better offer somewhere else. You, you see that? That's the door. That's the door. And not in a bad way. That's the door because I can't give you bread of shame. I've had three employees this has happened to. All three of them, within six months, came back. You, think about it. They came back and asked for their old job and their old payback. All three of them. Why do you think that was? Somebody offered them 30% more, let's say, at the other company. But what did that other company soon realize? The vessel was only 60000 And they were getting paid 78000 Eventually, all markets balance out. Eventually, the market dictates the rate, always. Even capitalism and communism all are rooted in spirituality. We've got to have a whole class about this, but 
For example, in my company, besides one person, there are no C-levels. No one gets a C-level. Because as soon as you give somebody a C-level, guess what? What's above a C-level? Productivity goes down. You know when the, the biggest bonus I ever gave someone, two months after that, productivity went down. Something about giving people too much causes them to work less and have shame, and they get resentful to you. But you give them too little, it's also a problem. The whole point of this lesson is it is spiritual to be sensitive to the vessel, and we must be conscious of it. Not just, so this is just business. Can you imagine this is business? Now imagine our love lives. Imagine dating. Imagine on the first date, you sleep with a man. What do you, it's like, you're, it's like you just took all your power, all your energy, everything, and you just flooded their vessel. There's no way. Why would they respect you the next day? You gave them bread of shame. Because what? They bought you, they bought, they, they paid for a, a $125 sushi dinner? That is what it takes to earn all your energy? Or your time? Or your phone call? Think about energy exchange. Not in terms of right or wrong or moral or not, but only vessel. What can the vessel handle? What's some other examples of, of causing or giving bread of shame? How about overeating? Can you give your body bread of shame? Let's talk about Ozempic for a moment. I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not going to get into a discussion about it. I just think there's a very, very powerful spiritual understanding about Ozempic. Let me tell you something about Ozempic. One of the things that Ozempic, again, I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm not getting into that. One of the things Ozempic does is it cuts you off from emotional eating, which I found to be very fascinating. So, for example, if you have 50 ounces of food in front of you that you would normally eat easily, being on Ozempic, you're probably only going to eat 10 ounces. Why? Because your body tells you to stop once it has exactly the nutrients it needs. So what's that other 40 ounces? Why, why, why was I eating the other 40 ounces? Because the food reminded you of the food your mom made you when you were young at her house, so it brought back pleasant memories and it soothed your nervous system. Or because you're just talking to someone and enjoying, and every time you chew on food, it reveals sparks of light, so that was enjoyable. So those other 40 ounces were not needed. The body really just needed 10. Kabbalists talked about portion control and not eating till you're full for thousands of years. Uh, I forgot who, the, who the, the great doctor, medical doc, first medical doctor, what's his name? Rambam. Rambam talked about it. Huh? Hippocrates? I think it was Hippocrates' lesson. But all, all the doctors were just talking about portion control. Eat until 80% full. Eat until 50% full. Why do we eat till we're full? It's bread of shame for the body. And so the body rejects the light, causing all the cardiovascular, physical problems that we have. That's the rejection of the light is the physical ailments that we go through. Yeah? Don't you think it's cheating to like, take something that 
makes it so that you're not hungry for the rest, it's cheating. Because it's taking away your own will, and it's like... And also, that stuff causes pan- pancreatic cancer. Ah, okay. Let's, before we get into all that, before we get into that, it's it's, don't you it's, think it's cheating. Well, I, do I think it's cheating? I don't want to be the one to say that because let's say I know someone who I could never get through to them with Kabbalah. They are very wealthy. They go to Vegas every week and they go to lose hundreds of thousands of dollars just because they hate their relationship with money. They're addicted and they've been doing it for years. She went on Ozempic and she lost her entire desire to gamble because it also hits the addiction part of you. And now she got her life back together and now she's spiritual and now she's her relationship, she's back with her kids. So would I say, you cheated. You should have just gambled to death and figured it out next life. I don't know. Right? I don't know. Everyone has a different scenario. But what I think is powerful is we can glean the spiritual lesson. What Ozempic is doing, essentially, is it's putting an involuntary curtain on the vessel and saying, beyond this, it's not necessary. What can we learn from that? We can learn that we don't need, there is a point that our body no longer needs to eat. We should learn what that point is and train ourselves to get there. And this is how you will live longer, be healthier, and have more energy. Not to just, you know, wet that drug or whatever, but isn't that also an example of cheating? Just like when other people do drugs, they, you've mentioned this before, that it's a way to collect light in a certain way, and then you lose it because you didn't earn it. Yes, but that doesn't mean that it's wrong. No, but won't your friend that you mentioned in a way suffer because of it? Although maybe now her life is better, like what you just said, her life is better. But, so is it cheating? She, okay, let me ask you a question. But she got there in, in a cheating kind of way because she took a pill. Uh, so let me ask you a question. If I want to buy a house here in Beverly Hills, nobody has cash to buy a house. Who has cash? What am I going to do? I'm going to go to the bank mm-hmm. and take money that I don't, I've never earned. Is that cheating? Is it cheating to get a mortgage on my house? I'm literally going to the bank and saying, hey, you earned all this money. I never worked a day for it. Give me $2 million. Why, Why is that okay that majority of Americans have mortgages? Because that's not stealing. What is it? It is a system of Explain. loans and um, savings. So it's a loan? And what yeah. do you, what, There's what do you a do system with a loan? that you sign up for. You sign contracts and yeah. you borrow money. Yeah, okay. If you take a drug to cheat, to okay. steal light, okay. you will suffer the consequences afterwards. I agree. Because you didn't earn that light. I agree. I agree. So there are some people, this is my opinion, that require maybe a pharmaceutical drug to take a loan of light. Now, the dangerous part is if you just live off of loans the rest of your life, mm-hmm. right? And you don't pay back the loan. So how do you pay back the Ozempic loan? How do you pay back, let's say a person has mental issues or is schizophrenic, how do you pay this back? I agree, all drugs borrow light. I agree. Alcohol borrows light. By the way, you're borrowing light right here in this class. Do you think the $16 we all paid for this wisdom is earning the wisdom? $16. You're not buying my wisdom. We're all here borrowing the wisdom. 
Do you know what would happen if we learn Kabbalah and we don't apply it? Bread of shame. And you will hate Kabbalah. That's what's interesting. You know who hates Kabbalah? People who don't apply Kabbalah. <laughs> there's, no, there's no way that if you apply this wisdom, you'll hate it. Think about it for a moment. You will love it. The people who complain about Kabbalah, it's because they keep learning to satisfy, like their, because it feels good to learn, and they don't apply and say, give me more. Well, how about this? Give me more of that. Read another book, another class. Flood me. And they don't do anything with it. They will hate the wisdom. So my opinion is, I've had so many people come study Kabbalah because they did ayahuasca. Or did this. Again, I'm not saying it's good or it's bad. All I know is, somehow people tap into some loan of light, but they're smart enough to put the loan, pay back the loan, and now they have their own cash to generate their own income, which is us act, ultimately activating our own power to do resistance. So I agree with you. Was that a helpful explanation? It's tricky. It's tricky. The medicine thing, because it's like... It's tricky. Because like, for instance, I had a really hard year last year. Mm -hmm. and, and there were many times where I wanted to just go on antidepressants or do something to just pull myself out of the darkness. Correct. And you know that. Mm -hmm. And I just kept pushing, and I was like, wow, how long can I... And I'm still... I'm, I'm better, but I'm still... <laughs> I'm still working really hard constantly right. not to just do the other thing where I could get probably the temporary light, you that's know? Good. But that's I don't the, that's know the, how... But that's the ultimate consciousness. Because instead of borrowing from antidepressants, you found a way to borrow from Kabbalah, which is a pure energy. Wisdom will always be the purest way to borrow. We're always borrowing. We have mentors. We have teachers. What do we do with mentors? We say, please, give me some of your wisdom. I need some of this. It's not yours, but once you apply it and you, over, you elevate your consciousness, it becomes yours. Okay. What are some... Okay, Errol, go for it. What's your question? Um, so, with what you were saying, like, about your friend and how she, um, like, was really struggling with this gambling addiction of hers and didn't know what to do about it, so she took a drug to help her with it, and now she's all better. I wouldn't necessarily say it's cheating, but do you think that it's, like not really like she didn't grow through and suffer through the pain that she was feeling when she was gambling and she didn't really feel the struggle she actually just kind of made it go away by taking something <laughs> I don't really know. No, it's a good question. I'll tell you something. You know what the creator did in this world? He he, the creator knew that we couldn't just access the light directly. No, we wouldn't be strong enough. So what the creator did is he took bite-sized versions of his light and put it all around this world so we could taste it like a sample. I've given the sample analogy before. If you go to Costco, they have samples everywhere. Right? But how many people go to Costco and just eat samples all day? Imagine you sat at the sampling station and, you, and you're trying like this, like... Uh, Maybe like this pig in a blanket, a little piece of like pig in a blanket. Said, this is very good. And the guy's like, yes, the, here's, the, here's the actual product. It's $24.99 if you would like to have it. And you just take it to the register. You're like, no, no, no. I'm good. I'll wait for more samples. 
And the guy's like, well, here's the full product. I, de- I definitely think you would love to take this home. No, no, I'll, I'll, I'll wait. And imagine you stand by the station all day for eight hours just eating samples. And then you come back the next day and eat samples. Is there anything wrong with samples? What is the purpose of the samples? The creator gave us all of these samples so we could taste the creator and then search for the real thing. The problem is if you live your whole life eating samples, you will enjoy, then you will be empty, you will enjoy and then be empty. You gotta buy the product. (laughs) Gotta buy the product, full price. Gotta pay for the product. This is the product. You are learning what the full product is. Even though I'm telling you what the full product is, we still like our samples. Is it true? We like our samples. So that is the whole secret here. Drugs, all it's samples. I'm not going to say it's good or bad. Marijuana was once demonized. Now it's good. Mushrooms were this. Now it's that. Ketamine was this. Now it's that. Everything changes. Everything's from the creator to each his own. But I'll tell you, I've done a lot of things. I've tried a lot of things. Nothing is more powerful than this. Nothing is more powerful than this. I promise you. All right? Let's get a final question here, and we'll go into a workshop. This is a great question. So can you give an example of bread of shame in, like, friendships? Because Mm. I feel like friendships are very, like, there's this thing where, like, if I don't text you for three months and then this other person, like, are you going to text me then? And it's like, I feel like friendship is giving. You're giving to each other. It's a two-way street. But how do I know what my friend's vessel is Good. if I'm giving too much to them or not? Yeah, so part of every relationship is us learning what's going to inspire the person to be their greater self, and we help them with that. So here it is. When the vessel receives more than it can appreciate is an example of bread of shame. So I have to look at my friend. Do you know how many friends I have that I've never even told them I teach Kabbalah? Never even bring up Kabbalah. In fact, I have friends for 10 years, they go, how come you don't talk to us about Kabbalah? I say, you never asked me. They say, well, I want to know what Kabbalah is. I said, what do you want to know? I don't tell them. They say, I want to know what it is. What do you want to know exactly? How can I apply it to my life? What part of your life do you want to apply it to? What am I doing here? What am I doing? I'm doing it to you right now, actually. I'm asking questions. I'm making them work. So what am I doing to their vessel when you ask them questions? Expand the vessel. It's a beautiful thing. Keep asking questions. Well, what do you want to know? I never knew you wanted to know something. Are you sure? Do you really want to know? What part of it do you want to know? What have you heard before? People ask me that. What's Kabbalah? What have you heard? Oh, well, I think it's uh, Madonna and it's the string. I said, you heard that it's Madonna and the string? Yeah. What else have you heard? I heard that. I said, do you have any friends who have studied Kabbalah? I had a friend who studied. I said, what did they experience? Oh, their life changed. I said, what happened? I said, well, they were in a difficult situation. They got tools to overcome their challenges. I said, that's what Kabbalah is. That's so much better than, let me tell you what, Kabbalah is, and they already tuned out. Because they have, their vessel fills up in five seconds and they don't want to hear anymore. So, 
Bread of shame is also when what the vessel receives doesn't elevate it, but it diminishes it. So how many times are we with people, and then when we leave, we feel drained? It means that they're not, they're not helping us. They're, they're, it's, it's, a, it's causing bread of shame. So with our friends, we need to feel like, what can I do to elevate them in their language, in their way? So I have a cohort of friends that I know I can't help them through Kabbalah. But I'll just call them and say, hey, I was thinking about you. And then they'll be like, you know, you're always so positive. Like, I feel such a great energy every time I talk to you. I don't have to say it's Kabbalah, but you help them in their own way. and You just elevate them without taking from them. And, it, and, and, and it, people have only one or two good friends. Everyone else is an acquaintance. So don't try to have too many friends. It's exhausting. A friend is someone you depend on for energy. And if you depend on too many people for energy, you will take upon their tikkun. Because whoever you depend on, you absorb their tikkun. So you have to be careful who you depend on. Okay? Yeah, Ken. How would you handle a situation where a lot of people depend on you? A lot of people depend on you? Give me an example. A lot of friends and family depend on. Yeah, 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 yeah. What I try to do is I ask the Creator, what I'm always trying to learn. How can I give as little as possible that will last forever? My teacher would only say a few words to me. Rav Berg would only say a few words to me, but I remembered it forever. He had this ability to condense nuclear power into one sentence that you remembered forever. I promise you, if you met the Dalai Lama, and you said, give me one piece of advice for my life. And he said to you, and he looked you in the eyes, and he said, you should love yourself. You should love yourself. Five words. You're going to remember those five words for the rest of your life and tell everyone about it. Because somehow he took all of this energy, that's his power, and he just delivered it, and you remembered it. Oftentimes we sit there, we talk to our friends for three hours, and they don't remember anything we said ten minutes later. Because we are not managing our energy properly. So I'm learning, I'm trying to learn more and more, how can I talk to somebody for three minutes and they feel as if I spoke to them for three hours and they remember it forever. That's another goal we should all work on, it's energy management. When we work on our tikkun and we overcome negative consciousness, we start to have that gift as well. Fun, it's exciting stuff. Oh God, we are so late. It's, four, it's, it's quarter till. All right. We, we have to stop here. We will continue. Is this class eight or nine? This is eight, right? Okay. So next week we don't have class, but the week after we're going to dive back into, is, that, is it already the new year? Yeah. Yeah. So the week after we'll come back, we'll dive deeper into Bread of Shame. We'll do a whole Q&A class. Class nine is all about Q&A. Totally fun. You can ask whatever questions you want. Before you leave tonight, if you have time, if you don't have to rush out, I would love for you to come up with where in your life are you either giving bread of shame or on the receiving end of it? And what are we going to do this week to break out of that cycle? Where are you on the... like, 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 Arrow, you would... As a, child, as, a, as a child of your mom, you may realize, wait a minute, I am taking so much from this family, 
how can I give back more to the home? How can I give back more to my mom? How can I give back more to my siblings or my dad? You're going to be conscious of energy. Most children your age are just looking how to take as much as possible and give back as little as possible. But if you, at this age, if you can already learn, how can I have a balance of energy? In fact, I want to create a vessel to receive, and the way you do that is by you know, going outside your comfort zone, giving back in a way that's uncomfortable, usually. All right? Please share, and then you guys are welcome to go home. Thank you all for tonight.